All right, draft 412. We are on the clock. Penguins talk on the 412. JT here with my partner, Darren Vickless. Darren, we're uh, sponsored by Eaton Park today. Eaton Park was one of the uh, many food sponsors that came out last year to uh, SageAE and supplied. They supplied Smiley Face cookies last year, which was a great dessert to all the other food we had uh, on hand last year. Eaton Park, thank you. If you get a chance, go out to Eaton Park. I don't have to explain to you guys in Pittsburgh what Eaton Park's all about. It's a, it's a staple. It's it might not get as much notoriety as Permanis, but it's the staples of Pittsburgh as well as Eaton Park with the uh, smiley face cookies, uh, the salad bar, so to speak. Darren, the, we left here last Tuesday, and you said that the um, or one, it was last Wednesday, but you said the yeah. Penguins, the Penguins need to go at least two and one in the three games they were playing. They went two and one. Um, they didn't go two and one in the, quite the direction you thought they were going to go. And, and let's jump on um, the first game of the uh, of the week was against the, the oh. best team in the one of the best teams in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and and talk about this uh, this game and and the uh, the ebb and flow of this game for the Penguin fans. Yeah, honestly, this was a game where I turned it on late, got an alert on my phone like, oh yeah, they're starting now. Marshan scores what forty two seconds in forty three, yeah. and you're like, oh. Here we go. Typical game in Boston Garden, TD Garden, whatever it's called now. They're going to get their doors blown off. I've seen this story before. But then the next three or four minutes, all Penguins, they come back. They score two goals. Um, And notably in this game, um, the Bruins have uh, Patras, who's kind of been one of their de facto top six centers this year, uh, along with Coyle and Pavel Zaka kind of rotating around with World Junior. So they were a bit thin at center. And I think this was a game where Lars Eller in particular in the third line looked really, really good in that all of a sudden the Bruins had to rely on Zaka and Coyle a bit more to get more minutes. And the Penguins' forechick kind of ate them up. Now it ended up being a back-and-forth affair. Poshnok ties it up at two. Then the Penguins push the lead all the way up to five to two. Then you get a very – it's a fluky bounce that Morgan Geeky even gets the puck at the side of the net, mm-hmm. but then scores a short side goal on the Delkovich that was – really bad i said some not nice things around the in the game with when that puck went in it was like oh no and then right at the end of the period brandon carlo scores on an unscreened slap shot from the blue line where nandelkovich doesn't even really move it's five to four then marshawn scores again early in the third to make it five to five and you're like well damn but to the penguins credit every time boston scored the penguins didn't always score right back immediately but they just got back in on the four check they just got back in they put their heads down they outshot Boston. High danger chances weren't as uh, weren't as spread as the shots were. Like in totality, the expected goals and high danger chances were closer than what the shot clock says. But the Penguins had an edge, and I think they fairly won that game. And especially the maligned power play. It just ends up being Crosby saying, whatever, forget it. I'm just going to put this shot on net through traffic. Gets in. One of the really bad goals, actually, that Swayman probably allowed. He didn't have a great game either to match Nelkovich. It was kind of no goaltending, just last shot wins. Um, but at the end of the game, the Bruins, they made a push at the end. But again, like the Penguins had them flustered. They weren't letting them gain the blue line cleanly. And once the Penguins were out of their zone, they had Boston on the heels pretty much the whole night, um, which was impressive to see. And I think the biggest thing that's changed, they can no longer load up and throw the Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand line at Crosby anymore and hope to neutralize them. They just don't have that capability anymore. And that was like the biggest thing I noticed in that game last night or on um, Thursday, excuse me, that and Charlie McAvoy probably had his worst game of the year. That doesn't help things for Boston either. Yeah. The Penguins, the Penguins were, um, 
I mean, they made a five-two. They were they were looking to buy. And this is the point I want to ask as a fan, as a as a as a player, a person that watches hockey like you do all the time. What happens at the five-two point where they 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 give up the three goals? Was it, was it a change in the way they were playing? Were they trying to play more of a? Were, were the Penguins trying to play a less offensive game and just gave up what they were doing all day, or did they did they just have some bad bounces? Was they did they really change the style of play, or did they not? Just, not really. I mean, it, it's score effects. You're going to get sometimes where a team, their four checks just takes a slight step back, takes their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. That's just human nature. And the Bruins, in turn, don't want to get embarrassed at home. So they turn it on to on their end. It's like very rare. You get, Like the Islanders game where they just completely obliterated the Islanders. It's so rare you get that because sometimes mm-hmm. you get complacent when you're up three or four goals. And the other team is embarrassed and comes at you oh, even yeah. harder. To the final score. Road. Closer than what the what initially looked like it was going to be, but the big thing, honestly, and I I hate being that guy who basically just sits there and says make a save, but the third and fourth goal that Boston scored cannot go in. Like the Penguins' goaltending on the whole this year has been well above league average. They've been consistently good, depending on the public model you're looking at. I've seen some as high as saying they've been the second best tandem in the league. I've seen others that have them around the seven, eight, nine spot, which is personally where I feel like they belong. But um, it's much better than average. They're consistently good. But every once in a while, you saw it in the Capitals game with Jari, where one of them just has a fluke night where things just don't go their way. Ned gets beat on the short side by Geeky. And then, as I mentioned before, a slap shot from the blue line with minimal traffic in front from Brandon Carlo, who's not really an offensive guy that's just going to blow the puck by you at a billion miles an hour. Those two shots can't go in. If If Ned just saves one of them, that game turns into a much less of a white knuckle affair, in my opinion. Who who were some of the Penguins um that performed? I'm looking at the box score right now with the uh with the different sets. I mean, Drew O'Connor had a goal and an assist. Is, is Drew O'Connor in your mind becoming a serviceable forward you could put on on a third line and and he should perform for you? I think he's he's exceeded all expectations I had. I thought he would be a high end fourth liner, like Zach Aston Reese that could maybe chip yeah. in eight to 10 goals. That's what I thought he was going to be. Now, is he going to hit the 15, 20 goal mark? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on his minutes to spark. Soul. is he going to keep getting top six minutes? But I think he cemented himself. He is that left winger on the third line when everybody's healthy and everything's going as it should, which is exactly what you want out of a player like him. And honestly, in every game, we'll talk about him again more as we talk about the other games. He's been one of the, I don't want to call him a revelation because at the end of the day, he is just a middle six forward, but he's been a very pleasant surprise. How how big is it? Um, and I know he had the injury, and when he came back, he seems like it, like the floodgates are starting to open. How big is uh, Ricard Raquel's play uh, as of late and putting up putting up points, goals? He's just he's becoming. I mean, he's he, before he got hurt, he had a lot of he was getting a lot of good opportunities. The puck wasn't going in. It's like it's, something was missing from his game, and mm-hmm. I think part of it we still don't know exactly what the injury was. It was just upper body, non-specific, which makes me think it was maybe something like a wrist. That's a true. Shoulder. Something maybe he's getting the chances, but he's not getting the velocity on the puck he wants. Or he doesn't have the control just in tight if it's a wrist injury to just make that extra move, lift the puck an extra inch or two to avoid a leg pad or, the, or a pad, excuse me, or the post or whatever. Um, but what's nice is Riley Smith has kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit. He's still pretty good defensively, but offensively his expected goals aren't there. And then he himself just isn't scoring. If Raquel is going, you can survive Riley Smith having a downturn. You can't survive two wingers in your top six having a downturn. They're just not that deep of a team. So Raquel coming back and being a bit of a force again, 
it helps paper over a lot of the other issues they've had at the moment. And I agree with you on, on, on that aspect of it. And I also, and I think you mentioned this last week as one of the, the best signings of the off season, but um, Lars Eller just keeps playing hockey, doesn't he? He's, he's, He's been he's been about as solid as solid can be for for the Penguins when they needed him. In a perfect world, I still don't think he's their third line center. But right now, it's the world we live in. He is their third line center, and he's done an adequate job there. You'd like to see more offensively, but at this point in his career, I just think he is what he is. He's very good defensively. He doesn't take penalties, and he has like a bit of meanness to him. I am not a guy who kind of worships at the altar of you have to out hit people in the sport. I'm I'm the opposite of that on most nights. I don't think it serves much of a purpose. In most cases, but every once in a while, Lars Eller just has a sequence where he just bum rushes the goalie a little bit, gets real nasty with defensemen. You have to account for him and it frees up spaces for the Valtteri Pustinans of the world and the Drew O'Connors and the guys he's playing with right now. And by the way, I mean, we talked about him a little bit last week as well. Valtteri, Valtteri Pustinen has, he has skill. I mean, he, this kid, this kid could play some hockey. I mean, he's, he's not going to be a 30 goal scorer by no means, but he's a guy that He's gonna. He should be a double-digit goal guy if, he, if he's in the right situation, getting getting his playing time. And I, I, the guy has smarts. When I see him up against the boards, he just little passes he makes. He just seems, he seems like he belongs where he where he's at. And I mean, ever since they made the the move to get him on the power play here and there, the power play has seemed to get gotten a little bit better here and there. I mean, the power play is one of the things I think if they don't go seventy-five percent, people are gonna think it's a uh, it's it's not running because they're just so much talent. You think that it should strike every time people don't realize how hard it is i mean as easy as it looks to get shots on that that the power play is not a i mean what's the leading team usually have a 28 29 maybe 30 the edmonton's kind of broke everyone's perception in recent years but being those guys like i think the one year they had like a 34 or 35 percent that's like insane right and then in the postseason the one when they went to the conference finals before vegas inevitably beat them the uh or um that was two years or uh i apologize I'm, i'm mixing up finals runs here but um, the last time they made the conference finals, they had something like 43% in the postseason. Unheard. Insane. No, it's insane. I mean, people, as much as the talent you have on there, it's still, I mean, you still got to make, make the right calls, the right plays. And, and they have looked, they have looked a lot better uh, as of late, which is, which is, which is nice. I mean, like, and I think you made the, the point off the air, they, they look dangerous right now, which is all you really want them to do right now. Last night, the Flyers are one of the best penalty-killing teams in the league, and we'll get to the Flyers game in earnest later. But they had them running around a little bit in a way I haven't really seen them do that this year. And it's probably a combination of the Flyers going back down to earth. That's kind of been the trajectory they've been on for two or three weeks. It's why the Penguins all of a sudden are essentially tied for a playoff spot, is the regression of the Flyers and the Lightning Mm -hmm. in particular. But um, part of it, too, is they've just been simple shooting the puck more eric carlson in particular he's trying to shoot the puck more now some teams know he's going to crank it so they're just kind of getting in his face a little bit but um and sometimes you get deflected shots or whatever but they're getting through more and that forces defensive diamonds pattern the the diamond structure oh excuse me i had a hiccup the uh, diamond structure of the pk forces him to move a little bit more and before we go on to the next game i just want to mention one thing that sort of came out of the um out of the boston game and that was um a couple of interviews that were done with Brad Marchand, 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 um, uh, yeah. about he was actually like really, really respectful of uh, Sidney Crosby with uh, some of his comments about um, Crosby's still the face of the NHL. You know, people shouldn't. And it, was that more of a, was that more and less like a like a 
like Brad Marchand sort of saying to the league, like, hey, don't give up on us, on us like 36, 37 year olds. Because Marchand's sort of like in that same in that same group of guys with uh the Malkins and they came in around the same time. Do you do you think it's more it is a respectful thing? You think Crosby's starting to see maybe some of that respect that he didn't he didn't get to see as a young a young uh kid. Uh, excuse me again. I think part of it is definitely kind of like what you said, like, hey, we're older, but we're still productive. I think mm. when he's talking about Crosby, he's talking about himself and other players in that same category because he made similar comments about Steven Stamkos not that long ago, also oh, okay. in that same age bubble. But I think part of it is a tip of the cap to Crosby. They do work off, they, they do work out, excuse me, together occasionally in the offseason. A lot of the Nova Scotia guys do um, yeah. with, with Crosby, McKinnon, and Marshan in particular. Um, so I think it's tip of the cap to like a guy that he probably views as a friend. And also at the same time, a like an acknowledgement of, hey, we're still here. Yep. Like, we're I not agree. done yet. And in the case of Marshan, he's not wrong either. I, I think Marshan's just off a point per game right now. Like he's been very productive this year. Oh, he's, I'll tell you about playing against them. You can see what he just always, one of them guys just, I mean, the word pest in a dictionary should have a picture of Brad Marshan because he's always, always doing something. He's always, um, he's not a guy that, that, wants to punch you in the face, the guy that you want to go after. He's always a guy that's getting his face rubbed with gloves and always in the middle of stuff. But he's just, he's a perfect, uh, he's one of them guys like a Casparitis where if he came to Pittsburgh at first, people were like, I hated him. And then you just love the guys. He definitely plays that, that part. Well, uh, game two was being honest. If I'd have told you just going into the three games, I would have said, ah, the, the Sabres game is the one I think that, uh, that we're going to win home game. Um, coming off of a, Probably a loss at Boston when we come back home. And it didn't turn out that way. We beat Boston. We came back home. Uh, my son Jared was at this game. You were going to go to the game, which you lucked out because the Penguins had more goals that were taken off the board than they actually uh, scored in that game. But they they definitely didn't, um, I guess, what's the word, soil the bed by no means. They played a great game. They, um, they outplayed Buffalo. Um, what was your take on this game? It, honestly, at least offensively, they were def- they were better defensively than they were against Boston. Which, I mean, they mm-hmm. gave up less goals. But um, it felt like a continuation of offensively what we saw from them against Boston. The goals just didn't go in. You, I think they hit two posts in the third period. The first goal was the correct call. It was an offside play. Beautiful play by Sid to yes. spring Drew O'Connor and create all of that. Unfortunately, you're just that step offside. The second goal waved off. I would lean it's a goal, not trying to be a homer, but we saw almost the exact same play later the ni- that night it, instead of that side of the net, it's the opposite side of the net. But uh, uh, Nicholas Roy for the uh, Vegas Knights scores a deflected puck in front of the net. He makes contact with the goalie's head after the puck is already even with the goalie and going into open space in the net. Like it doesn't actually impact the play at that point. That was my gripe with the goal. The league obviously interpreted differently. I'm not going to have like a referendum on the coin flip that is calling goaltender interference calls because you're going to be here forever arguing till you're blue in the face. But um, they, I, I'm a big process guy with the Penguins. And I, I've been saying that all year. I'm more optimistic than most people about this team. And I have been for a few years. Last year I was wrong. This year I think I'm going to be more correct. But um, the process was there again. They were creating chances. They were crashing the net. Like I said, they, were, they hit the post. You have the two goals called off. And you, ha- you outshoot and heavily out high danger chance. Buffalo. They were the better team. 82 games on a sport where you're shooting a piece of rubber around on a high surface with less friction. Some nights the puck just doesn't bounce your way. And that's kind of what that game was. And it's why I don't really have anything poignant to say beyond that. They didn't play bad. Wasn't their night. 
it happens. Like it, it's going to happen in this sport. Same way it happens in the NBA or in the MLB. When that game sample was that large, you're going to have nights where you do everything right and you still lose. And and look and looking through the box score, um, like I, I knew he had a, a big game. I wasn't sure how big of a game, but Raleigh Raleigh Smith had six shots on net that game. Uh, he's playing, playing, yeah, he's playing well. He uh he played a good game. Like that line that line played really well. They just didn't like you said before. They uh, you know, besides Raquel scoring on the power play, they really couldn't uh couldn't score at regular strength. Um, that that leads me to a question now. That we're back, I think we're four or five games back into his uh his comeback from injury. How do you feel about Brian Rush right now? Is he just is he just a, a tad off, or is he you think he's just uh, getting his legs back under him? Yeah, I think offensively, when the puck's on his stick a little bit, but he's been a terror on the forecheck. He's been good defensively, mm-hmm. and in particular, the new second line with them bumping Riley Smith down to the third line and having Drew O'Connor on the second. It's been O'Connor, Malkin, and Rust. That line has been tormenting teams. It's been two games, but in those two games, that two-game sample, they tormented the Sabres, they created a lot of chances, and then against the Flyers, which we'll get to, they were the best line the Penguins had. Best line for either team on the ice, I should say, in that game. But um, And I think Rust is a part of that, and I think the game will come. I don't, I don't know if Rust is going to get his 30 goals, but I can still see him being a guy that slots in the 20 to 25, is very productive at 5v5, while still being excellent on your penalty kill as well. Um, never... Nadalkovich was the the goalie in the first game, and then that was uh, Jari in the second game. How did how did you think Jari performed against Buffalo? The one the first goal, the Alex Tuckles, and it's an excusable goal. Uh, it's he's one on one with the defenseman, and Tuck's a very good guy player. He's probably going to score thirty goals this year, give or take. Mm-hmm. He, he's not good enough to pull up from the Ovechkin spot with a wrist shot and beat a goalie. He's just not, and that's what happened on that play. And Jari just whipped. And I think that's why when we got to the Flyers game that Ned got that look is it looks to me they're just going back and forth until someone takes the net. It doesn't have a game where they give up a soft goal or two. And um, on the whole, again, Jari on the year has been really, really, really good. But lately, since the Capitals game, a little bit more wishy-washy. So I think we're going to keep seeing them rotate these goalies really aggressively. But on the whole, like I'm not going to sit here and bash him. Like it's one bad goal ultimately on a night where they just couldn't put the puck in the net. If the puck goes in, then maybe he gets to start against Philadelphia because they win the game, and that one fluky goal wasn't as big of a deal. And how was the um? How was the um? How's the play been in your mind um with POJ since he's come back up? Is is he, is he in your mind? Is him and like Ruedo, like the newer guys that they brought back in that were either hurt or just not with the team? How how have they helped? They helped the defensive squad or are they? So. On paper, I do not like POJ and Carlson together, but Graves has been so bad, it kind of forces your hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Graves in this three-game stretch since our he last did, yeah. conversation, he's been better. I'm not going to say he's been good, but he's been better in a diminished role. And Chad Ruedel, who he's been just a consistently steady guy for, what, seven years now? Mm-hmm. Like, he does everything you want your sixth defenseman to do. And I think he's been a very stable partner for Graves. POJ, now, I thought he was really rough against Boston, much better against Buffalo, and really, really good against Philadelphia. Him and Carlson last night, there's an argument that that pairing, like, as a unit, was the best component of the Penguins team against Philadelphia. Um, I would maybe argue that the second line with Malkin, uh, Rustin O'Connor, but POJ and Carlson had a great game against Philadelphia to follow up that solid game against Buffalo. 
and and let's let's go on. They they say they lose the Buffalo three to one in the third goal. Of course, was uh that was an empty netter. Yeah, empty net. um, nothing. They really they lost like two to one really, and they had two goals taken off the board. So it wasn't a wasn't a terrible loss by no means, um for the home for the home the home team Penguins uh in that week. But then they go they go after that to Philly. Um, and being honest, as a as a Pittsburgh true Yinzer sports fan that watches. All the Pirate games, all the Steeler games, all the Penguin games. There is nothing better in the world than watching the Penguins dominate at Philadelphia in front of their fans, and just um, it's just it's just the best feeling in the world. I mean, honest to God, like when they played in the playoffs against the Flyers, what about ten years ago, and we we blew that one game, and they scored like seven equals against twenty twelve. Yeah. yeah, they scored a bunch of goals on Flurry and. I remember watching the fans in Philly and just it just it just it's just the worst feeling in the world to watch them celebrate and have a good been time. raging. <laughs> so so they go in and and out of the three games, I guess you've already sort of made this the point. This is their best game of the of the weekend. Uh, they there played. was an argument that outside of the game against Minnesota at home, they they absolutely dismantled. I know Minnesota pushed back a little bit score wise, but they dismantled that team. Um Outside of that game, I think what we saw against Philadelphia was their best game of the year. On the When you look at it in totality and what the stakes were, they went into Philadelphia, a team who's ahead of them in the standings, that frankly stole two wins in overtime, one in overtime, one in the shootout, where the Penguins probably outplayed them in both those games. Yeah, this felt like a, a get, like you hear the term in the NFL, like get right game. This felt like a get right game where you go back against someone that beat you twice when you probably shouldn't have lost to them either time. And you just blow them out of the water. Um, it, it was early that the Penguins were scoring and jumping on them. And then, like, you have the wild cutter Godier thing, which isn't, we won't get into that. But, like, it, it felt like a very funny cosmic night for the Penguins because the Penguins go up 2 nothing. Arguably, the Flyers' best prospect after Mishkov says, I want out. Finally, he was raised as a Penguins fan, which makes it even funnier. I, love you. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he, in his draft profile, his favorite team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it's just awesome. very funny how that works out. But he makes it 2 nothing. The trade breaks. Um, and then I know the Flyers scored to make it 2-1, but the Penguins never look back after that point. The power play looked threatening. The fourth line, I'll get into them like when we're, we're done talking about this game in whole, as a whole. But the fourth line, is Jansen Harkins, two minor penalty aside, probably the best game they've played all year as a unit, the Harkins-Carter-Achari line. Um, they neutralized Couturier for the most part. Um, really, the only guy that looked dangerous the entire night was Owen Tippett, and that's the one goal they got on the power play. Like, they just... Konechny had a couple of shifts here and there because he's just that good of a player. He's going to get yeah. nights like that. But they they worked Travis Sanheim, Ristolainen, the entire decor. Carter Hart struggles in general, but the Penguins made him handle the puck a lot behind the net, which is he's not good at. Crashed the net a lot. The four check got in. It was just a, it was what they should do. I know the Flyers are technically two points ahead, but they're an inferior team to the Penguins right now. And it looked like it. And it, it's the same way it looked for the most part in those first two games. They just didn't have as many comical breakdowns for breakaways and things like that to let the Flyers back into the game. I agree. And I and what to get back to your point on the the, uh, the cutter the cutter trade, um I'm amazed the Flyers even got what they got uh, for him, considering once the guy makes the announcement, I don't want to be here, you know, teams, they got a, about a second or third round pick plus a dry title, which I thought once was... Once the gets out, you lose leverage very quickly in this league. 
And there's so much reporting. There's so much rumor mongering. I don't want to get into it because I, especially like the people harassing Kevin Hayes and his family, like there is a wild mess around that situation right now. So I don't want to comment on it because I don't think anybody outside no. of Cutter Godier, Danny Breer knows what's true. And there's a lot of speculation there, but it's just a really wild deal. Drysdale could be really good for the Flyers. I think, though, the better player is going to Anaheim, especially because Drysdale's hurt. He's been hurt for the better part of two years. Yeah, I was just, I was, I mean, I was shocked. I, I didn't, it broke like during the Penguin game. I didn't realize the whole. Uh... It, the second the Penguins went up to nothing is when I saw uh, Frank Saravalli, to give credit to who broke it, I believe it was Frank Saravalli, um, and these other guys, bigger names in the Penguins media circle. And then you have Elliot Friedman saying, that they think the breakdown in communication happened whenever Cutter Godier made it obvious he wanted to be in the NHL this year. He wanted to sign. He wanted to be in this year. The Flyers decided to hold off, delay it, which delays him getting his signing bonus and delays him burning a year of his entry-level contract. Yeah. And I mean, if that's true, I kind of understand why Cutter Godier would get mad because you're pushing back his earning potential by a whole year. And you're limiting his window for free agency by a whole year. I understand the frustration there, um, but again, I'm not going to get any deeper than that because we. Yeah, this that, is we don't know. This is what we go through with um with the baseball stuff too. That's why you don't see a Paul Skeens until, but <laughs> that after June 1st or whatever, you can call a guy up and he don't burn a, a full year. It's, it's, it's weird rules and every sport has them. And I know hockey, uh, these prospects they have they have them weird rules to begin with. If you're playing in junior, you don't make the team. You got to play. You know, you, you have to play in junior to your eight. Uh, yeah, if you play more than eight or nine games, you burn a year of the entry-level contract, whether you send them down or not. So at that yeah. point, you might as well keep them up. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of bargaining there. But um, but back to the game itself, though. It, in general, loved it. And I was saying before, the Malkin line was dominant against the Flyers last night. Like, I was thrilled that Malkin scored. Because, hey, he's actually, funnily enough, how many games they played against Carter Hart. Malkin's never scored a goal against him until last night. So... Malkin breaks through. He has the great behind-the-back pass on the power play to Raquel. Oh, yeah. The first goal of the game. That was Malkin's best game of the year. If he's back to what we saw the first eight to ten games in terms of productivity, I think they're going to end up being a playoff team pretty comfortably. Um, Now, there's half the season to go, obviously. But um, they've been trending positively now for the better part of a month. I think they've won eight of their last 11 games. Um, One of those losses, even in overtimes, you're getting the point there. If you can, the next game against Vancouver, you want to win because you want to win every game. The margins are so thin. But as long as you, if you can beat Carolina again to stay in that hunt for that second or third spot in the division, after you've handled your business against the Islanders and now the Flyers, (laughs) you're sitting in a pretty good spot. I think they're trending very positively. In the Flyers game, like I said, it felt like a get right, turn the corner kind of game to me. I I, I can honestly say um, the two games that I've watched that I was – saying wow the most to the tv screen was the philly game and then uh, I, I like the colorado game early in the year because at that point oh you know what that's another marquee win they went against a team who mm-hmm. on paper is hands down better than them and we weren't playing good at the time and i'm like this is a total game where we could get we could get washed out of the we didn't i mean we played they adjusted played their four checks game. they were more, they were a bit more passive on the four check they let colorado skate into them you saw that a little bit against boston and I think it surprised them. Boston was like, like they suddenly had a little bit of space to skate, but it's what the Penguins wanted. They were kind of skating into the teeth of the defense, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the Penguins counterpunched them immediately over and over and over again. Um, the Flyers game and the Buffalo game was different. It's like the Penguins have kind of adjusted depending on who the opponent is for how they have to play. 
they've been that's the biggest thing actually is uh, situational awareness. You're seeing less forced circus passes from Crystal Tang and Eric Carlson. You're seeing much more simple. I'm not going to extend my shift, and I'm very sorry my couch is shaking because my dog just jumped up next to me and decided <laughs> to start scratching his leg. Um, but uh, like you, you've seen less. Um, what's the term? Like run and gun. It's been they're still aggressive, but it's been more controlled aggression where they're not getting in on the four check. They're not full sending with three people. So then it turns onto a three on two the other way. Like there's just been more situational awareness and they're not a thing that the penguins did early in here that drove me crazy is forcing shots from the point directly into people's skates. The puck bounces out goes the other way. They've been doing that infinitely less. And that's one of the, again, it's just a situational thing of they're being more careful. Which is goes a long way with the way the team plays. I agree with that. And the, the goal that Ruido scored the other night, I thought was um, an excellent point of what you're saying. He, uh, if he'd have taken the original shot, he would have, it would have got blocked. He, he changed, a, he changed a little bit of an angle, got a good shot off. It was a, it was, a, it was a really a smart play. And I, I, I noticed it live, and I'm like, that was a nice little simple thing he did with his stick just to change the angle of the shot. And it, it was uh, the delay. He, he yeah, lets, just, I, I don't remember who the Flyers defenseman was. I think it might have been Nick Sealer. Somebody was kind I think of it was. and he let Sealer shift like half a foot to get yep. the puck through clean, change the angle. And I've already complimented Chad Ruedel. But if he's going to play that well to help kind of insulate Ryan Graves, all of a sudden Ryan Graves is much less of a problem than what I thought he was a week ago during our last conversation. I, I agree. And I, I, that's, that's the biggest disappointment so far in the offseason. When we signed Ryan Graves, he was a guy when free agency started. I'm like, could be a nice guy for this, you know, uh, losing, knowing we're losing Dumoulin, a guy like Graves comes in. And uh, I've been, uh, we've talked about it, just um, his physicality is not what I thought it would be in the front. I, I'm not saying it to be a physical team, but um, when you see stuff like what happened with um, uh, Konechny against, against the Penguins where it just starts running around a little bit and, you had that thing with Latang. I know it was an accident getting hit in the head with the stick. And then you could tell that game yeah. was so close to just – I couldn't believe they got through the last eight, nine minutes uh, without no um, major ma- major um, issues. I thought for sure the game was going to was gonna break down. It was going to be like a three-on-three fight kind of thing because it had that feel to it. Um, but it's not happening. But it does sort of worry me to a point. I know you're not you're not on that wagon as much, but a guy like Graves has to be there that the stick up for his, you know, you're a big, bigger guy, bigger defenseman. You got to, you need somebody there that's going to, that's going to at least step up and say, hey, what's going on here kind of thing. I mean, honor to his credit, too. He's not a fighter, but he's not afraid to mix it up with people in scrums. Honestly, Gensel isn't either. Gensel is one of those guys. It's like sneaky that he yeah. gets the whack on the goalie's glove when he's freezing the puck or he sticks you a little bit going into the corner. Um, I still think my favorite moment of the night, though, is. Malkin saying some stuff I can't repeat on the podcast when he's in the when he's in the penalty box. Oh yeah, honestly, my, my wife is dying. She's like, he said a hole. My God, he said more than that. But he, that was one of the things. Him and Scott Lawton do not like each other. If you no. remember, Scott Lawton's the guy he swung his stick at and missed. Oh, and that's right. Last night he gets a sucker punch off with his glove on. Just sucker punches Lawton in a scrum. They both go to the box. Lawton's yelling at him and he's pointing saying, uh, look at the scoreboard and some other stuff that I can't say. <laughs> but just telling him, look at the scoreboard. It was a true Malkin game. A goal and an assist and multiple minor penalties because he lost his mind in a scrum. 
And that's one thing. That is the one problem with two of our better players is Malkin and Latang. If you get them, you can get them fired up, which is good for us because Malkin plays really well when he's mad. But you get them past that point. We saw it with Latang a couple of weeks ago where they just they just can't hold it in. They'll take a stupid ten minute uh, misconduct or, or just something that will. And Latang scares me with that, and so does Malkin. Where if it's a close game, if I was the other team, I'd be I'd be doing everything I could to try to. Um... To their credit, though, they haven't really done that this year. And last night, that was a game you're up 4-1. The Penguins had just scored the fourth goal. And honestly, that game was over the moment Ruedel made it 3-1. to The Flyers oh, yeah. died at that point. I know the shots ended up being closer. They, they put on like mid-30s in shots. But they didn't really threaten. It was no. just perimeter, a couple of net mouth scrambles. And I don't care if Malkin and Latang do that in a blowout like last night. That was just mm-hmm. – and I think Malkin especially leans into it. I think – you would look at the way other fan bases talk about Malkin, and it's almost like he's a super villain sometimes, like just a comical <laughs> lunatic. And it's it's why he's effective, though, too. It's I same. agree. I agree. I think he's done a better job this year. I mean, I still um, I used, I used to play that drinking game where you uh, Malkin gets a penalty in the offensive end, take a drink. That got a little rough. So, but he's gotten better with the offensive penalties. I I give him that. I give Latang some credit. I think Latang, and I think you've already touched on it. He's he's played a smarter game this year and i've noticed i've noticed he's another one of them guys that's getting his shots through a lot more than he did in, early in his career a couple of years ago even where he would he would just take the dumbest shots from the point and you'd be like you know why, why are you taking that shot you can see on tv there's a guy standing right in front of you but i think he's gotten better at, at that you miss the net you clear the puck to the other opposition essentially yeah i mean he's he's done a, he's, he's gotten a lot he still has his moments don't get me wrong and i i know my one buddy will text me during the games and um, it was against Boston. I think he was on for three or four straight goals against uh, Latang. And my buddy's like, he has three assists, but he's been on for three. You know, it's, it's just the way he, he's putting up some points lately, though. That's for sure. Honestly, I think it's, uh, I apologize. It'd be the yawn there. <laughs> but um, I think whatever guy is paired with Pedersen, whether it's Carlson or Latang, whoever that is, is going to go on a bit of run offensively because it just frees you up to do so much more. Yeah, it's Pedersen. Who'd have thought he? I mean, he's that kid. That guy's playing, playing lights out, playing amazing. Unsung hero of the season. I mean, um, in Pittsburgh, people I think are finally acknowledging how good he is. He's like I would describe him as when Brian Dumoulin was at his best. He's that, but like Dumoulin plus because there's just a little bit more to him. He's going to give you in terms of offensive assists and like transitioning the puck into the offensive zone that Dumoulin really couldn't give you. Well. Well, thank you, thank you a ton for your time, uh, Darren. As we go, as we go forward too, we're gonna um, we're gonna get more involved with the Penguins, especially with the uh, trade deadline. Uh, we'll be around the corner on the All Star breaks uh, coming up soon. Um, I guess it's you, you made some great points today. I mean, we we basically talked to the people of Pittsburgh and told them that Ruedel, Ruedel and Pedersen are they're doing just as much to help this team win as Latang and uh, Carlson. That's why you know this team might be. Team might be a little deeper than people give him credit for, uh, if you look at it that way. And I wouldn't sleep on Ludwig whenever he's back. We still don't know exactly what the injury is. We just know upper body. He, he was in a fight, and then all of a sudden had the upper body injury. So it kind of fell in the blanks a little bit of hand or something, maybe a head injury. Yeah, he's two for two getting in fights and getting hurt right afterwards. I mean, he got, he got that head injury the first time. Ludwig is a guy where he was rough to start, but he's kind of he might be a solid seventh defenseman, though, as we go along this year. So I think they're sitting better than what people realize. And like I said, we'll see how it goes. 
they're not going to have another game against the Metropolitan Division after they play Carolina. They don't have a game against the Metropolitan Division again until February, late Feb, mid to late February. So it's good that they beat the Islanders. They beat this game. They beat the Flyers. They beat the Hurricanes. They can beat the Canes again. I think we're cooking with gas as far as finishing second or third, possibly in the division. I like it, Darren. And we'll talk next week on how they did against Vancouver, Carolina. Uh, come here and we'll talk about um, what, what the other, we'll talk next week too, about what other teams in the Metropolitan, what you think they're doing. I know you already talked about the Flyers and the Islanders. You think that they hit their, um, they're basically coming back down to earth kind of thing. And we'll talk about the other better teams. Like New Jersey's a team that sort of bothers me a little bit still because they've gonna... had some bad moments, but you know they're better than what they're playing. Exactly. But yeah, always happy to be on. Thank you, Darren. Thank you guys for listening. Next week on the clock, Penguins talk on the 412. Look for us. Thank you. Good night.